All right, grab your Bibles in uh, whatever form, and we are, this doesn't happen often, but we're calling an audible this morning, and so thank you for reading John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30 in preparation for our sermon today. That'll be next week's sermon, so you are prepared. Uh, Open to 1 Timothy. We uh, were with our brothers and sisters this week, and I had the privilege of sharing uh, from the Word with them, and uh, shared this text with them, and in light of just our change as a church and just where we are this morning, uh, this text is a good reminder for for all of us with regard to uh, the necessary part of the gospel and this reality that as the church we are entrusted with the gospel. And so we praise God rightly for the work that he has done, for the work he's doing, the work that we believe by his grace he will continue to do in and through Redeemer Church. And with all that is going well in Redeemer, and a lot of things are really going well in Redeemer, we, we had the privilege to brag on you this week, <laughs> like righteously. We didn't have to repent for it. It was, it was a good kind of brag talking about what God is doing here uh, we also need this gospel reminder that, that we've not arrived. As long as there is sanctification to be had in the life of the believer and in the life of the church, we press on. And so growth has required us to move across the street into this facility. We, uh, in just a few weeks, we'll be sending out our first long-term overseas worker. We have others in the pipeline to go overseas. We have this short-term trip to the Middle East next month. We mentioned a few minutes ago we have um, seminary students abound in our congregation as different people pursue theological education, international adoption is moving forward. We have an addiction recovery ministry that will be rolling out, Lord willing, early 2019. The Lord is blessing families with growth, and we have loads of children that we need to steward well. We have a unique fellowship. We have a unique harmony, as many invest in biblical community, not just in this room, but in our homes and in coffee shops and supper tables. And all these aspects are necessary, they are right, they are profitable. But if we miss the gospel, we miss everything. We can do all of these things and miss the gospel. And so we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that God is at work, doing His work, doing His work His way, doing His work His way by the gospel, doing His work His way by the gospel for His glory. And so let's read our text. We'll pick up the end of Paul's previous thought in verse 11, 1 Timothy 1 verse 11 and read through verse 17. He just encouraged Timothy in this opening uh, paragraph to Timothy to guard against false teaching and gives him some direction and then uh, some reality of sin toward the second half of that opening statement. And then he comes in verse 11 and tells Timothy, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Entrusted with the gospel. These reminders, I pray, are a challenge and an encouragement to us this morning from God's word. We see a few statements that are clarifying for us, maybe recalibrating for us, bring us back to the center of why we exist as the local church. And so we'll go through uh, several of these statements from the text. The first statement that we find, the first reminder that we have here in verse 11 is that we have been entrusted with the gospel. We have been entrusted with the gospel. Everything in this text is passive on our part. God is doing the work of the gospel and we've been entrusted with this gospel work. We have been entrusted with the gospel. Verse 11, Paul said, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. And so a couple truths come out of the verse here. Verse 11. First, we remember the gospel with which we've been entrusted. This is the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. The gospel of the glory of the blessed God. And so we proclaim the gospel of God. We proclaim the gospel for God and we proclaim the gospel by God. We must proclaim this gospel and we must be careful to proclaim no other gospel. And we proclaim this gospel with the confidence that is in God alone. He says at the end of verse 11, with which I have been entrusted in his infinite wisdom, in his divine providence and for his eternal glory. God has entrusted the gospel to you ready us. He has entrusted this gospel to us. And so what is our response to this reality that this gospel that we proclaim, that we are redeemed by, that we share with the world has been entrusted to us? Our response is that of humble dependence. We remember that like 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure where? In jars of clay. That's us. The treasure is not the jar. The treasure is in the jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so we have been entrusted with this gospel. May we, as Redeemer Church, steward this well. We've been entrusted with the gospel. Also, verse 12, secondly, we've been appointed to gospel service. We've been appointed to gospel service. In verse 12, Paul wrote, I thank him who's given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. We have been appointed into God's gospel advancing enterprise. And he has placed us in this glorious privilege. And this is not just a privilege that's reserved for people like we just heard on the video, our global partners, or as we send people overseas. This is entrusted to us. We have been appointed to this gospel service. This word appointed literally means this, I was put into a position by someone else. We didn't choose this opportunity. We were actually chosen by God for this opportunity. Ephesians 1.4 reminds us that we were chosen in Christ when? Before the foundation of the world. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And then Paul goes on and writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Reminding us that even the works that we do for Christ are prepared for us. They are chosen for us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so now we are appointed ministers of this gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. Entrusting to us, what? The message of reconciliation. And so when God appoints us to salvation, he also appoints us to gospel service. We are appointed to gospel service. And in appointing us to his service, according to verse 12, God has judged us faithful. That just seems like a strange phrase. 
You read verse 12. I thank Him who's given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful. And we read that and we're like, no, there's no way that God looked at me and said, okay, He's faithful, we'll bring Him in. But we have to understand what's going on here. We don't judge ourselves faithful. Others don't judge us faithful. Our skills and giftings don't judge us faithful. Education doesn't judge us faithful. God alone judges us faithful. And so we are to be faithful to God. God judges us faithful on the basis of His own faithfulness to us. And so Paul's response, he begins it there in verse 12 with, I thank Him. His response there is thankful. Literally, I am continually being thankful. I thank Him who is giving me strength, reminding us that God gives us strength for this appointment, for this assignment. He gives us strength to live for the gospel, by the gospel. God does not call us into something that He does not equip us to accomplish in His strength. He gives us strength. And so He sees us as faithful in our, in our assignment because He judged me faithful. In His strength, we are faithful. So we've been entrusted with the gospel. Just ponder that reality for just a minute. If you're saved, if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, God has entrusted the gospel to you. And to me. This has to push us to humility. This has to drive us to our knees. We've been entrusted with the gospel. Also, we've been appointed to the gospel service. God has chosen in his infinite wisdom to expand his kingdom, declaring the gospel through us. Through me and through you. What brings us to the third reminder here is that we have been saved by God's glorious grace. So we've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been appointed to gospel service. And then we've been saved by God's glorious grace. The key idea of verses 13 through 15 is this reality of grace. So one, we don't forget who we were when God redeemed us. Don't forget who you were when God redeemed you. This is verse 13. Though formerly, look at verse 13. Though formerly I was, past tense, that is no longer who I am, but I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. Formerly I was. We cannot forget who we were when God redeemed us. Whatever the sin picture looked like for your life, it might have been self-righteous religious works done for approval of man, or it might have been living in the world. Regardless, we were once apart from Christ. We were once outside of Christ. And so we, we can never forget who we were when God redeemed us. Paul here says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent opponent. And according to Acts chapter 9, Jesus comes to Paul and says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Same guy. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Christ saw his, Saul's, Paul's attempts to persecute the church as an attempt to persecute the Lord Jesus himself. And so Paul never graduated from the reality of his former life before Jesus radically changed him and made him alive, made him new. So question, who were you when God redeemed you? When he made your blind eyes see, when he made your dead heart live, when he brought you out of darkness and into his light. Who were you? Don't forget who you were when God redeemed you. But formerly, I was. So we don't forget who we were when God redeemed us. Secondly, we don't forget what God has done in redeeming us. 
In the middle of verse 13, we have an operative word here. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but a word of contrast, a word of opposite, but I received mercy, (laughs) but I received mercy. Don't forget what God has done in redeeming you. We've received mercy, but I received mercy. Paul says I'd acted ignorantly in unbelief. Literally, his mind was darkened. His heart was dead. He was ignorant toward Christ. And until God showed him Jesus, he was going to remain ignorant. He's not saying he didn't know what he was doing. He's saying he didn't know Jesus. What I did ignorantly, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. This is, this is the, the idea of Jesus' declaration from the cross in Luke 23. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And so I, I, you, we deserved wrath, we deserved judgment, we deserved punishment, we deserved condemnation. Verse 13, but I received mercy. In his deep well of mercy, God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us mercy. Titus chapter 3, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. Why did God save you if you are saved? He didn't save you because of anything that you brought to the table. He saved you because of His mercy. I received mercy. Also, we received grace. So we don't forget what God has done in in, in redeeming us. We've received mercy. Also, we received grace. Look at verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The grace of our Lord overflowed. This word here, overflowed, it it carries the idea of something that is super abounding. It cannot be measured. It's overwhelming. The grace of our Lord overflowed toward me. Grace, God's free, unmerited favor and kindness toward those who justly only deserve wrath. But I received mercy, verse 13, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed toward me. Paul just said, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. Whatever you fill in that blank with, that's your story. I was fill in the blank, but I received mercy. And on top of that, the grace of our Lord overflowed toward me. Not doling it out in measures, but overflowing toward us. We are justified by His grace as a gift. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it is the gift of God. We received mercy. We received grace. And so we don't forget who we were when God redeemed us. Also, we don't forget what God has done in redeeming us. We've received mercy and we've received grace. But, verse 15, we don't forget the price that it costs for God to redeem us. We cannot forget the price it costs for God to redeem us. Look at verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul includes this statement of whom I am the foremost. Of whom I am the chief. Awareness of our own sin, our own depravity, reminds us of the richness of God's abounding grace. We cannot forget the price that it costs for God to redeem us. What did it cost for you to be saved? It cost God. 
It costs the very Son of God to die the, da- the death that you deserved, that I deserved. Matthew nine thirteen. Jesus came into the world not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke nineteen ten. Jesus came into the world to seek and to save who? The lost. The lost. Paul considers his current status to be the foremost of sinners. Notice what he says there in verse 15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. We would think that Paul would say there, I was the foremost. But instead he uses present tense language. Why? Because he's still fully aware of who he would be unless God radically changed his life. Of whom I am the foremost. It's who we are. It's not just who we were. We are still sinners. We are sinners who have received God's mercy. We are sinners who have received God's grace. And it only happens because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to which we all have to stand at the front of that line and say, I got to be at the front here. And then somebody else jockeys for position and says, no, 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 I need to be in the front. Because when we've tasted of the mercy and the grace of God, we realize the depths from which God has redeemed us. And regardless of what that back picture looks like, there's this constant reality, this grace-saturated, gospel-advancing reality in our lives that says, hey, I no, I am the chief of sinners. I am the foremost. But God. And these are the words of every sinner who's been awakened by the Holy Spirit. I am a sinner. We are the tax collector of Luke chapter 18 who would not even lift his eyes in the temple, but instead just simply beat his chest and cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Brother, sister, what did it cost for you to be saved? It cost Jesus. It cost Jesus. What did it cost for us to be saved? It cost Jesus. So we've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been appointed into gospel service. And we've been saved by God's glorious grace. Number four, we've been commissioned into God's work. We've been commissioned into God's work. Why did God do this? Why did God save you? If you're not saved, why does God desire to save you today? Hearing the gospel. Why does God show us mercy? Well, verse 16, Paul gives us the purpose statement. But I receive mercy for this reason. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. For this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Your redeemed life is a display of lives that can be redeemed. It's what Paul is saying here, that in me, Christ might display, he might make a spectacle of my life. He might make a gospel advancing spectacle of your life. Collectively, Redeemer Church, he might make a spectacle of our lives for what purpose? As an example to those who were to believe in him. Why? Because there are still sinners who need to believe. There's still sinners who need to taste of the mercy and the grace of God. He is still awakening dead lives. He's still opening blind eyes. And how does he do this? This is crazy. Through me and through you. 
Through me and through you. We are this example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. We are to be examples of redeemed, grace-saturated, gospel-driven lives. We were formerly objects of wrath. That's who we were. We were formerly objects of wrath, but now in Christ we are objects of God's love and His patience and His kindness. So where we were rightly and justly under the condemnation of God, now, redeemed in Christ, we are under the favor of God. Everything is different. Everything has changed. And our commission is to take that message to those who are outside of the favor of God. So where does this gospel reminder lead us? This, this reminder we've been entrusted with the gospel. God has put us into gospel service. It cost Jesus for us to be saved. And now we are commissioned into this God's work. It, it has to lead us to worship. Like the only appropriate response is verse 17. The only necessary response to this reminder is verse 17. Paul is writing here. And if you just take the verse divisions out and you just flow with his thought, he's reminding Timothy, and as he's reminding Timothy, he's reminding himself of the gospel. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy and the grace of our Lord overflowed with me through the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Remember, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And then he just launches off into this worship session in verse 17 to the king of ages, immortal. Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And so he begins with thanksgiving, verse 12. Remember, he said, I thank him who has given me strength because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And then he finishes with worship, verse 17. The reminder of what God has done for us in Christ causes our hearts to swell with the praise of God. We are, Redeemer Church, we are to be a worshiping community. And not just when musicians and vocalists are on the stage and words are on the screen. Our lives are to reflect that we are a worshiping community. And this anthem of to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Has to be a constant refrain in our lives as we are being reminded of this reality that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And entrusted with this gospel as a church body, as a family of faith, as a community of believers, may we be found faithful to the task that God has placed before us to advance His kingdom across the street and across the world. This gospel reminder a couple questions and then we'll pray and take the lord's supper together one is this is something similar to paul's language true for your life have you received mercy do you know the grace of god that overflows to you the good news is god can save you today repent and believe on the gospel this statement christ jesus came into the world to save sinners includes you Regardless of what your former life would be characterized by, self-righteous works or living with the world, whatever that category looks like for you, the statement is just the same. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
And that is good news for you. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus. Simply ask Him to forgive your sin and place your faith and trust for all of life and eternity in Him. The promise of Scripture is you will be saved. Brother or sister, you've, there's no doubt you've been redeemed. But maybe this reminder has recalibrated maybe some of your thinking, some of your life, even this morning. And there's a reality that being entrusted with the gospel, being appointed into this gospel service, needs to really amp up in your life. And maybe if you're honest and confessional, which is always a good idea, you would say, I really just live for me. I really just live for me. And verse 17 isn't true. Because you are actually the object of verse 17. And so maybe your right response this morning is to simply repent of that. And just to confess to the Lord your passion to live your life for your own desires. And your desire to live with this reality. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And to let this declaration of verse 17 be the anthem over your life to the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Entrusted with this gospel, Redeemer Church, may we be found faithful. And by God's grace and for His glory, we can and we will. For His name sake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth, for this reality that Christ Jesus did come into the world to save sinners. And we as your church recognize that we are at the front of that line. Lord, we are prone. We have a tendency to take grace for granted, to take mercy for granted. But in your kindness, you remind us of the gospel. Father, if someone here this morning doesn't know you, they've not repented and believed on the Lord Jesus, for the Lord Jesus, Lord, we boldly ask that you would save them. That you would today transfer them from the kingdom of darkness into your kingdom of marvelous light. And do so for your glory. Let them receive your mercy. Let them receive your grace. And Father, as brothers and sisters, we confess our constant need for the gospel. Not to be saved over and over again, but to pursue Christ in all things. We are very self-centered people. We do a great job of taking care of us. And may the words of verse 17 be the reality that pours out of our lives to the king of ages immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever and we pray it in jesus name amen